Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It's the show after the show. This is the After 9 Podcast with Scott and Kat. Is that Gaga? Are you singing Lady Gaga? I'm going to tell you something. Hi, everybody. I'm going to tell you something about pop music. This is the reason that pop music will never die. Because pop music is catchy as shit. And the sign of a good pop song is it gets stuck in your head. If you know the words after very few listens, you're good. That's a good pop song. So whether it's Justin Timberlake's new one, The Other Side, I already know half the lyrics to that Mm -hmm. song, and I've only heard it four or five times. The new Lady Gaga, we played it every hour on Friday. It's already stuck in my head. They become earworms, and that's what makes them catchy pop songs. Yeah, man. If you've got the formula down pat, you're good to go. It was like a Katy Perry had it down pat for a long, long time. Justin Timberlake, you mentioned. Yeah, if he wants to do a pop song... Yeah, he can make it super catchy, and Lady Gaga's got it, too. They figured it out. That's the key, right? If you can remember the words and sing along fairly quickly, they've got you. And that's why producers and writers that don't get nearly as much credit as the actual singer are so important. If you get a, uh, Dr. Luke was so good at it before the unfortunate incidents, um, well, that was was he actually charged? I don't know where I that's at. I don't think he was actually for, ever formally charged for anything. A lot of accusations. A lot though. of accusations, yeah. He was one of the best. There's certain writers and singers that create these songs and they're fucking good at it. Anyway, welcome to After 9. Brand new week, brand new month. This is the last week before we lose an hour of sleep. Clocks go ahead one hour this weekend. That's a sign of hope, right? When it the is. clocks go ahead, when we hit March, you just know. Spring is around the corner. It's going to be six degrees today, and that's beautiful. I love it. Six tomorrow, too, but with sunshine. Sign me up for this yeah, spring stuff. A nice, mild stretch on the way. For the most part, there's a couple of off days where it's a little bit colder, but we're not seeing any of this like polar vortexy coldness anymore, I hope. I should knock on something. Just got the latest podcast stats. We're up to like 160,000 listeners on After 9 now, and we love every single one of you. Thank you very much. Somebody DM'd me this morning. They were listening to our FM radio show, but had to get out of the car before they heard our take on the new Bachelorette. So we're going to talk about that coming up. We're going to play Missed Connections from our show this morning at the end of this podcast and a whole bunch of other things we want to talk about, including COVID-19, because frankly, I'm sorry, I don't want to be part of the problem, but I feel like it's time to start freaking out a little bit. We're also going to talk about Tupperware. And maybe you're wondering... Well, that's, I'm going to skip right over that conversation. No. no, I think that what you are suggesting that you wanted to do, I understand why some people think it's offensive when it comes to Tupperware. I took some heat for that this morning. So we'll get to that as well. And we're going to talk about drunk driving because there's a unique case that happened here in our broadcast area. And maybe it's not that unique. People that go into bars already drunk. Now the owner has been charged. The bartenders have been charged. So that's coming up. First off, Friday morning. The radio world, we'll talk about the biz, so to speak, for just Mm -hmm. a second. The radio world lost a real pioneer. His name is Bill Evanoff. And Bill is the owner of our old station, Z1035. But it was much, much, much more than that. 
So Bill started off, he's a Bulgarian immigrant, and he came to Canada, and he got into selling radio advertising, and he worked for Chin. And eventually, Bill managed to acquire himself an interest in some radio stations. He then went on to buy his own stations. He then went on to basically build a small radio empire. In I think they have, what, 20 radio stations across the country yeah, now? 20 now, yeah. From Winnipeg to Halifax. And the concentration of them is in Ontario, but he's in Quebec and Nova Scotia and Manitoba and, and like we said, a lot in Ontario. And it's not easy to make it in the radio business. It really isn't. No, especially for as long as he uh, did. And and everything that Scott's mentioning, there's actually a great YouTube video, a biography, kind of a short biography of of the Evanov Radio Group and Bill Evanov that's pretty good. Is that when he was uh, inducted into the Can- Canadian right. Music Week Hall of Fame? Yeah, that's right. If you Google Bill Evanoff and watch that video, it'll probably tell you a lot of what we're going to talk about here. But Bill was an independent. He wasn't one of the guys who got a couple of stations and then sold them off to the big conglomerates and things like that. And not that there's anything wrong with the big conglomerates because they have a lot of radio stations and they put out some good programming and such. But there is still something to be said for a family business. Mm -hmm. And that's essentially what it was. This is a guy who I believe he was 78. 78. He passed away on Friday for those who haven't heard yet. And he still went to the office every single day. And he was still yeah. very hands-on in programming the radio stations that he owned. He was incre- He was an unbelievable man and such a hardworking guy. There were a lot of things that could happen in the office when we worked there from day to day. You never knew what you were going to do or see or be or where you're going to be. But one thing was for sure, Bill Avanov would show up 9 a.m. with his briefcase and say good morning to everybody on his way in. You'd see him in his office. He was there every single day. Could he have retired? Could he have stopped working? Could he have, like you mentioned, sold things off and kind of took it easy? Yeah, he could have. He could have been living a very well-funded retirement had he decided to do that. But he loved radio. Loved radio. Loved the business. He's helped shape the way radio works today. I mean, if it wasn't for him... There probably wouldn't be DJ mix shows on the radio because that's something that the the big corporations probably wouldn't have subscribed to. It wasn't a common thing, but he put it on the radio. And from there, it grew into a thing that I think every radio station in the top 40 format will throw on a DJ for at least an hour a day, sometimes more. Things like that, he basically trailblazed. Mm-hmm. He gave a, a... There's a lot of people that like dance music. And he gave a... A voice to that on the radio back in a time when it was all uh, rock radio or pop radio or country radio. And there's really no in between. Sometimes you'd get it like an easy listening station. Bill was the guy who put dance music on the radio back on Energy 108 when he was one of the owners there. And from there, he sprouted off and he bought Hot 103.5, which turned into Hits 103.5 and then Z1035 and so on and so forth. I worked for Bill for 20 years and the things that he did for radio were not only innovative, it was to support the industry. It was all about cultivating relationships, getting consumers acquainted with radio and trusting what they heard on air, and for businesses to trust radio as a medium to advertise on. Somebody had to do it, and he was one of the guys who did, and he was one of the good guys in the business. And I'm very sad to hear that he Mm -hmm. passed away, but I'm very happy to hear that he died peacefully in his sleep Mm -hmm. on Friday. Friday morning slash Thursday night. I'm, I'm not exactly sure. Yeah. But either way, um, one of the things that was great about Bill is I'll just tell a quick story. Um, 
I had to fly. I've traveled with Bill many, many, many times, more times than I'd like to remember, to be honest with you, because he was intense. And radio licenses get handed out because they'll find an area that can hold a radio station and then they'll check the population and the business numbers and see if it can sustain another radio station. And then they ask for people to apply for a license for that station. Bill was all about it. He applied for stations. He actually applied for the original license for the station that we work at now, 91.5 The Beat. Mm -hmm. In fact, I was on the panel arguing that Bill should get this radio license. And it didn't go to him. He lost some. He won some. It just depends on the case you happen to put up. But one time, I traveled out to Edmonton with Bill. Bill was applying for a radio license out there. And he was so focused on this. The whole room of lawyers and consultants and business people would be in there giving their take. And Bill quarterbacked the whole thing. But I'll remember I was or I remember I was out there replacing our program director, Paul, who's also Bill's son. Mm-hmm. And, and Paul had been injured, so he couldn't travel. I had to go out there and be Paul. Bill was so regimented and so focused that I think when he said, OK, guys, we've been working really hard. It's time for lunch. Everybody gets 10 minutes. 10 minutes. We've been in this room for like three fucking days. <laughs> 10 minutes for lunch. Are you kidding? <laughs> what a guy. What a man. Honestly. We uh, were doing another radio application in Vancouver and he flew out there on the Thursday night. I flew out on the Friday after the morning show and Bill himself came to pick me up at the airport. He'd rented a car and people had told me stories like you don't want to get in a car with Bill Evanoff because there's nothing that can stop this man. He is so driven and so determined. Nothing, including red lights or stop signs, will stop this man. He's just going to keep on going. And it was true. We were driving through downtown Vancouver. And stupid me, I forgot to pack a belt. So I said, hey, Bill, what are the chances we can just stop off and I can buy a belt? He's like, no problem, Scott. I'll find you a belt store. He whipped through downtown Vancouver at about 80 kilometers an hour. I was literally (laughs) hanging on to the door thinking, fuck, I'm going to die in Vancouver. That's where Paul got it. (laughs) (laughs) I've driven with his son many times. Yeah. You know, he is. He's he's such an incredible man. And I'll never forget when it was like six or seven years ago now, he had a medical emergency at the time. He was hospitalized. And we were all just kind of like, oh, my gosh, I hope he's okay." And we heard that he was stable and we were so happy and thrilled. And then one morning, you and I are in the station. It is early in the morning because, like I said, he came early. Sometimes he'd come at like 6, 7 o'clock before anybody else would, uh, would arrive. It'd just be the morning shows and Bill Evanov. And we didn't expect him to be there. And he swings open the studio door. And he's like, <laughs> hey. I'm just like, what the hell are you doing here? You're he's the like, president Mah. of the company. I'm like, shouldn't you be resting? He's like, meh. I need a scone and a coffee. <laughs> Do you have an intern? <laughs> I was like, we'll get you a scone and a coffee. I promise you that. But are you okay? He's like, yeah, I'm okay. Should you be having coffee? I don't care. <laughs> like, just nothing will, nothing would stop that man. He was, uh, God, he was incredible. And our thoughts are with everybody um, in the Evanov Radio family right now and uh, with, his, with his children. And yeah, we're thinking about you guys. A couple more takes on this. And if you find this boring, that's totally okay. I don't expect you to listen to us do an obituary on our former boss, but... If you're interested in radio, you should be interested in this. Number one, Bill was a West End Toronto guy all his life. He was such a Starbucks fan that the Starbucks closest to the radio station on Dundas Street knew that if you ordered a bill, they knew exactly what to make. Mm -hmm. And, And there was one time I was the fucking morning show host. 
He walked into me and said, yeah, I need you to go get me a coffee. Oh, yeah. He didn't, he didn't give a shit who you <laughs> were. That's what he said to me. He's like, do you have an intern? No. Well, what are you doing? I'm like, a show. Morning show, to be honest with you. Uh, but I can go if you really want one. There's nobody that I would have left the morning show for to go to Starbucks and get one. a coffee. Yeah. Except for Bill Evanoff. He's the one. I'd do anything for that guy. Anything. And, but he was also the first one to say, yeah. hey, I'm going for coffee. Does anybody want yeah. anything? And he would pick up coffees for everybody from the janitor to the VPs. Yeah. He was like that. And it's true. If you go into the Starbucks at the Four Points Plaza in Etobicoke and say, I'd like a bill, they're going to hand you Bill's drink. It's great. That's how yeah. much they know him yeah. there. Um he does leave the company in very good hands. I, I assume that that Paul Evanoff, uh, his oldest mm-hmm. son, is going to mm-hmm. be running the company, and I think that's great. That's also great for radio because he's another one who's been a trailblazer himself. Yeah. He's been programming a great radio station for 20 years. So I wish him the best and the whole family, like you said. Very, very sad. It's a loss for broadcasting in Canada. Uh, and rest in peace, Bill Evanoff. I was not okay when I heard that news yeah, for the first time. Yeah, very sad. Okay, let's switch gears here and talk about something else. Oh, I got to go downtown today. What brings you downtown, Scott? Lawyer's appointment. Oh, a lawyer's appointment. They'll mm. never come to you, eh? You always got to go to them. You pay them so much money and you always have to go to them. And you have to pay and, to meet with them. And, and if you've got to photocopy something, <laughs> yep. you'll pay for that. Yep. And the list goes on and on yep. and on. It's funny because uh, for those who don't know, I am going through a divorce right now. In fact, I'm even though I haven't been with my wife in three years, I mean, lived with her three years. It's been going on. We haven't even gotten to the first stage of paperwork Mm -hmm. and I cannot believe what a long, complex, invasive and expensive process a divorce is. Mm -hmm. So today I've got to go downtown to swear on my financial statements. And if you're thinking to yourself, "Ah, I think I want to get divorced. Let me just tell you a little thing. Don't. (laughs) It's not worth it. Wait, do you like money? If the answer is yes. Don't. No matter how bad you think your relationship is, and, and I'm take away abusive situations and things like that. If you're just generally unhappy or think, oh, I'd rather start fucking that person than this person. <laughs> don't. Don't do it. It's not worth it because the amount of headaches and aggravation and hassle that you have to go through when you get a divorce <laughs> is crazy. I have done nothing but sift through bank statements from the last three or four or five years for a month and a half. So you have to go swear on them. So that's just you giving an oath of all of these statements are true from the best of my ability, my knowledge, da, 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 that kind of thing. No, you're saying that what's on paper is completely accurate and you swear an oath on it. Yeah. And then the other person's lawyer goes through those papers trying to catch you in a lie so they can sue you for it. Fun. That's that doesn't sound like a fun day, man. uh, You know what? It's not. But I I think even from her standpoint, I think that we both agree we need to make this next step and getting this done is the next step. Right. And I tried to make it as amicable as possible. I think both of us have. But the process that you have to go through when you get a divorce, honest to God. You might as well just take a pile of money and light it on fire. And that's just what goes to the lawyers. Forget about what you do in in child support or in uh, settling up bills mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff. I mean, it really is a crazy process. If I can if you can take anything away from this podcast, tell your spouse you love them and figure out whatever you have to to make it work. <laughs> there you go. Because the alternative is fucking crazy. I've done more paperwork in the last month than I think I've done in the last five years. Wow. It's so nuts. In any case, um, St. Louis Bar and Grill. Yes. This was a hot topic this morning. 
They are on Saginaw Parkway in Cambridge. And what happened was back in November, a person came in and they say there's CCTV footage of this. I haven't seen the video. So I'd like to preface this conversation by saying I haven't seen the video and nothing has been proven in court. These are only allegations at this point, as they always are when the police file charges. But guy went in there allegedly drunk already. And they say when you watch the video, it's obvious that this person is intoxicated. He knocked back four 20-ounce draft beer in less than an hour, left the bar, got in his car, he hit one vehicle and kept going, and then hit another vehicle head-on on Town Line Road and killed the 67-year-old driver of the other car. Just late last week, two owners of the bar and two employees of the bar were charged with 21 counts under the Liquor License Act including selling liquor to an intoxicated person and permitting drunkenness. Those are just two of 21 charges. Mm -hmm. My question this morning on the radio really created a divide. And there's people who are really, really passionate about impaired driving. Some people think there's no excuse, blah, blah, blah. You control your own actions and whatever. There's other people who think that anybody who participated in this transaction are responsible, including the bar that serves you the alcohol. Do you think the bar owners and staff should share in the responsibility for this person that made the decision to drive drunk and killed somebody? Should they be responsible? See, and and for me, it's not about, okay, sure, you can give an opinion on it. Anyone can give an opinion on what they think, but bottom line is when you take your smart serve, when you go through the whole process, you know full well that you have responsibility. It is your responsibility to make sure that this person that's drinking, either A, you cut them off if they've drink if they drank too much. Four in one hour, by the way, that's excessive. Four that's a lot twenty of beer. ounce glass like that is excessive. You should know better as a server. And I was one. I'd bartended. That was one of the things that always made me nervous. And I did check up on a couple of people. For me, at least the system, the way it worked, where I worked, it was you went to the management. So I wasn't management, so I wasn't going to be the one to cut people off or ask them how they're getting home. It was a system we had in place, and it worked well for us. You know that going into it. I don't see, I I do see them being all a part of, like, responsible, all in small part responsible. And I'm glad that this is being brought up, that people are seeing this and seeing it's a big deal. Because for the servers and the bartenders that are listening to this, listen to us talk about it in the morning, they need to wake up and realize, yes, this is your responsibility too. So if that means you change your policy at work, if that means you go to your boss and you ask them questions about it, do it. Because currently, under law, that is your responsibility. That's the way it works now, and that's not going to change. So sure, you could say, I don't think it should matter. It does matter. That's why they're getting charged. For those who don't know, Smart Serve is something that anybody who sells liquor in definitely Ontario, maybe across Canada, has to do. It's a, an online course in a lot of cases, although you can do an in-person test and they train you to look for signs of intoxication, what to do if someone comes in already drunk, how to cut somebody off, strategies to figure out who's driving and prevent them from driving drunk. There's a lot that goes into it mm-hmm. and you need to pass that course in order to sell liquor in Ontario. Not just servers and bartenders, also people who work at the beer store and who work at the LCBO. I don't know that you can, I I agree with everything you said, first off, but I don't know that you can necessarily apply that black and white, all or nothing, yes, the bar or the servers in the bar share in the responsibility. 
And let me give you just a couple of quick examples that I didn't even necessarily think of myself, but people were kind enough to text into our show this morning because we did spend some time talking about it. It's an important thing to discuss in the case of a banquet hall. How many times have you been to a wedding? There's one, maybe two bartenders for 100 to 150 people. Maybe it's my turn to go from the table up to the bar. I'll get around for the table. Yeah, I need uh, three rum and Cokes and two Ryan diets and five beers. Oh, that's enough drink for everybody at the table. Oh, actually, the three rum and Cokes are for me. Right. That bartender has no idea who's drinking what. They've also got 100 to 150 people that they've got to keep track of how much they've had Mm. to drink. I don't even know that that's possible. Yeah. I don't know. No, you're you're right, and I and I think and I hope that it, this is a case by case basis. That someone took a look at this particular case, perhaps this these video images that, and videos that are apparently available. I haven't seen them either. Took a look at it and said, in this particular case, because when you hear this case, allegedly he came in hammered. Okay, there's mistake number one. Don't serve the guy. Shouldn't. Four 20-ounce beers in one fucking hour? That is excessive. Very. So that person is so responsible. I com- I agree in this particular case, yeah. Okay. I'm going to give you another for instance in just a second. But back to the banquet hall, for ex- example, for just a sec. There's also a um, baseball team comes in after their game or a hockey team comes in after men's night. Yep, we'll have uh, uh, 10 pounds of wings and put five pitchers on the table. They have no idea who's drinking what. One guy might not drink anything because he's the DD. You might have some guys drinking five or six pints each. That's a lot of beer for one person to drink. And the bartender has no idea how it's being distributed. When I go out with my girlfriend, for example, we always order a bottle of wine. Well, her, she can drink about a half a glass of wine and she probably shouldn't drive after that. So she'll have half a glass of wine, max, and I drink the rest of the bottle. They don't know who drank what. For all they know, maybe it was a 50-50 thing. Maybe there was, we go out with another couple and four people split one bottle of wine. You should be okay to drive in most cases, I would think, depending on how intoxicated you get. In this case, it does seem like they did overserve him. It seems that mm-hmm. way. But also, I've been to a St. Louis bar and grill many, many times. Got one in Milton. It's a great location. There's also about three or four people behind the bar, and it's usually whoever's closest to me checking around. Hey, you need another beer? Great. Then she'll go into the back and bring out some food. The next bartender will come up. Yeah, what do you got there? Uh, Coors Light, Canadian? Yeah, yeah, sure. You want a refill? Great. Then they'll bring me another beer. How between them do they communicate how much each person has had to drink? I just don't know that you can necessarily blanket policy say, yep, if somebody injures themselves or someone else or does property damage, the bar is also responsible because I think that there are mitigating circumstances where maybe they're not responsible. Maybe they shouldn't be responsible. And I also want to point out, in order to get that beer in the first place, you have to be an adult. And it seems like there's way too many people that don't want to accept responsibility as an adult for their own actions. You made the decision to go into that bar and drink. You made the decision yeah. to get in your car and drive home. You are the one responsible. Well, yeah, but them being charged as well takes nothing away from the guy who did it. He's get, facing his own judge. You know sure. what I mean? This particular yep. case. So it's not taking anything away from him. It's just making other people responsible. And you bet your ass this is going to light a fire under everyone, especially in this area where we've been talking about it. Every establishment's going to have a meeting and remind people about how it works. And like you said, you're absolutely right. I've had people, not my server, come up and be like, do you guys need more of this, that? Nobody's keeping track. You are supposed to as a server, however, if you are questioning who's drinking and you realize there's some heavy drinking happening, you're allowed to ask the question. How 
are you guys getting home this evening? Do you need me to arrange a ride for you? Is there anything I can do? You can't be afraid to ask those questions and involve management. That's just how it works. It's, that's how it's supposed to work. It's just when cases like this come up that are rare, thankfully so, I suppose, that people realize, fuck, there's something we have to do here. We're supposed to be doing this, and we haven't been doing it right for years and years and years. By text this morning, somebody pointed out servers, in a lot of cases, are basically working just for tips because mm-hmm. the, the pay is shit and there's some... Yeah. Some bad operators out there who will make a deal. Oh, yeah, yeah, you can keep your tips, but we aren't going to pay you hourly. There's some people in bad situations. I would think that would happen more in the nightlife, nightclub type industry, but whatever. You can speculate on your own about that. In any case, if you're working for just tips, do you really want to piss that table off? This person was wondering, is that a factor? Like, hey, I don't get paid anything and I got a table of 10 people here. If I start asking questions like who's driving and give me your keys or anything like that, I'm not going to get tipped. I'm just going to piss them off. They might even leave and not pay me anything. So that's one. Another thing, too, is the servers generally tend to be a lot younger. Maybe they don't want that confrontation. Maybe they don't want to have to. That's what a manager's in place for, though. Because I was if the same way. There. I was a young, like I was 18, 19 years old serving. And there were some uncomfortable situations and conversations I had to have. That's what the manager was for. Sometimes the manager has to run out to the bank and get more more float money. Sometimes the manager has to deal with uh, a delivery that's coming in the back door. Things like that. They aren't always available. If you've got a, if, let's say your manager's not there. You've got a real good customer. I'm a good customer for a pub near my place. I go in there regularly and I'll have a couple of pints. That one day where I decide, you know what, it's later up, it's Friday, it's nice outside, let's have a few of them today. If they make a judgment and say, ah, Scott, I think you've had too many, I, I, I've made the decision that you're intoxicated and I'm going to cut you off. They run the risk that me as a good customer may not come back there. And that's on me. That was on me for going in there and drinking, for drinking too much, for showing signs of intoxication. But there might be some pressure, particularly for good customers, to not piss them off. So I get it from so many different angles in this story, what the problem is here. I don't know what the solution is. All I'm saying is, as a blanket policy, I don't know that you can always hold the establishment 100% responsible or, or say that they have any responsibility in these cases. I love the example of the banquet hall. I'm so glad somebody texted yeah. that in this morning. Well, it's a case, like I said, I just hope, I truly hope it's a case-by-case thing because absolutely accurate a banquet hall is a great example at a wedding um or a large group of people yeah but you got to ask the questions if you're serving i have to think that now that they've been charged they will go to court maybe they'll settle maybe uh maybe it'll go to trial what if they are found guilty and again these are just allegations not proven in court but if they are found guilty i would assume that paves the way for a lawsuit From the victim's family. Sure it does. Not saying they want to sue or that it's even crossed their mind, but if they decide to, well, the court has said the bar staff was negligent or guilty. Okay. Does that mean that everybody going forward can automatically go and sue the establishment? I don't know because I'm not sure that really in every scenario, the establishment is responsible. But either way, you can weigh in on this or anything else you hear in the podcast. DM us at Scott Fox on air or at Cat on air. The Bachelorette choice. Who is it? What's her name again? Claire Crawley. Claire Crawley. There's yeah. just, you know, uh, she's a little irritating. So she started uh, popping up in the Bachelor franchise in 2014 during Juan Pablo's season. They made the announcement this morning for The Bachelorette. So if you don't follow Bachelor Bachelorette, we'll just be quick with this one. Promise. But this, but this girl has been around since 2014. 
So didn't win one Pablo's heart. Went on Bachelor in Paradise. Didn't win anyone's heart on Bachelor in Paradise. Came back again for Bachelor in Paradise. Fuck all happened to her there, too. <laughs> Went on Bachelor Winter Games or whatever. Remember they had the stupid oh, Winter Games version? When they were trying way too hard. Way too hard. Like, I actually pieced out halfway through. That season was not, it was not good. Lo and behold, we've got Claire Crawley at 38 years old, the new Bachelorette for this upcoming season. I like that they've got an older woman. I do. Not old. For older. Sh- for sure. I think that's well, great. Well, they've had a lot of 20. They've had a ton of 20-somethings. We've seen that, right? We've been there and done that. We've seen the, I think this is what I want and, you know, whatever. And then you're unsure about it. This is a woman who I hope by now knows exactly what she's looking for and will look for serious people. Maybe it'll cut out some of the drama. Maybe it'll be a little more serious. Okay. That's a possibility. Me personally? No. I can't get behind anybody who was in love with Juan Pablo. <laughs> right? No, it Gross. does nothing it was for the, me. That was the worst season, I think. So the best part, sorry, it's actually terrible. But you know how they're usually doing all these travels and seeing oh, yeah. They're not doing it this time around. Really? Coronavirus. Oh, right. Yeah, so they're yeah. staying close to home, they said, for the season. So oh, we'll see how that ends fine. up. Fine. Anyway, that's what's happening this season. I'm curious to see the ratings based on that. Some people find her super irritating. Some people are so happy for her to finally, hopefully, find love. We'll see what it brings. Tupperware. I was over at my girlfriend's parents' house on the weekend, mm-hmm. and I'm still getting used to this whole Italian thing um, because me, just regular little caker Scott, I've never been exposed to all this. But every time I go over there, they're sending me home with stuff like, oh, here's some lasagna to take home, and here's some stuffed peppers, and uh, try some arancini, and blah, 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 blah. And it's great. Basically, if I go there, that's my meal prep plan because they just keep that sending me great. home with food for the whole week. Yeah. Awesome. And I noticed they sent me home yesterday with some stuffed peppers. Lovely. Thank you. But their Tupperware is, you know, when you get takeout and you get those little black dishes with the clear lids? Yeah. They were sending me home with those. And I thought, oh, these are just, it's not really great Tupperware. I don't even know if I should microwave this. Maybe, just as a thank you, I'll go over to Costco. They've got a 24-piece set of proper Tupperware and it's got the sealable lids and they're lockable and it's like 24 pieces for 20 bucks. I should surprise them and bring them Tupperware. Girlfriend said, mm, well, I don't know if that's necessarily the best idea. When you first told me that, I thought, okay, that's really nice of you. But then that might be sending the wrong message, a lot of people thought. Yeah. like offen- It's a little offensive, borderline offensive. It's basically a down payment on the future of my getting leftovers every time I go over there. It's great. <laughs> so but- basically, you don't like the stuff they're putting, the, the meal that they cooked for you, that you don't like the container. So you're going to get a new container so that at least, oh, thank God I can actually look at this and not be disgusted. Oh, uh, no, I don't, not not necessarily <laughs> okay. that. It is a little ratty, the stuff they've got, a little flimsy. I decided to be nicer if they had a nice proper set, and there you go. They Have can- you been washing them and giving them back, though? Oh, Regardless? I don't want to be Good, that- good, because that's a big thing. If so, Let me tell you something. If somebody sends you home with, with leftovers mm-hmm. in a Tupperware dish or a container of some sort, and you don't wash out and return that container to them, you are the worst person on earth. Yeah. You piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But you should always return you it. You should always, at the least. Clean. My mother-in-law instilled that in me. She'd make jams or whatever. The jars had to go back 
fleeing yep. to her. Yep. If they give you sauce, if they make you jam, any of that. a pie, whatever, yep. return the dish. In any case, I thought this was a nice thing, and I was all excited that, look, it's on sale at Costco. I should just go and buy it and surprise her. I don't know if that's a good idea, Scott. It'd be one thing if she gave it to her mother. It's something totally different if I give it to her mother and then she has to wash them all and package up some food for me to take home afterwards. Either way, they could run a restaurant over there. I don't know how Italians are skinny because the food is just freaking unbelievable. Unreal, right? I'm in a happy situation. Uh, Finally. Is it time to panic about COVID nineteen? Well, that, you know, I asked that simple question myself this morning when I when you're I, an asshole, by the way, especially if you're in the media. If you're in the media and you say I'm getting worried, people start flipping out. Ah! Ah, you can't instill panic in the people. Well, well, I feel like we should panic. There was four new cases reported in Ontario yesterday. Yep. Someone in America—that's a fact. Yep, someone in America died. And we've got these health officials saying, oh, the, the risk of transmission in Canada is very, very low. Everybody just calm down and just keep washing your hands. Okay, but in the U.S., the U.S. Surgeon General just put out a fairly scathing tweet on the weekend. He's begging people, stop panic buying face masks. They are not effective in preventing general public from catching coronavirus. But if healthcare providers can't get them to care for sick patients, it puts them and our communities at risk. So what I take from that is, yes, those masks absolutely work. No regular people, you can't have them until the healthcare workers get theirs. And I agree with that. Yes, Doctors, nurses, frontline for sure, paramedics, firefighters, police officers, anybody who's on the front line dealing with a situation like this should have their masks. So I kind of feel like in reading between the lines here, the reason they're telling us all, oh, don't panic. Everything's fine. Really low risk is they weren't prepared. Now they're trying to stockpile masks, but they can't do that as long as we are. Will they help? Yeah, I feel like if you go and get fitted for a mask and you actually get the proper one. It probably will help if you're just Joe Blow walking your kid through the park every day. Risk of transmission is probably low. If you take transit or fly regularly, I don't know how low that risk really is. Right. It's going up and up and up. They had to send out an alert. They're trying to track down people that took a particular go train from the airport to Richmond Hill last week because someone got off of a plane and onto the go train and they tested positive. Imagine getting that notification like, hey, Scott. You happen to be on that train. Someone shared that with you. Would you not panic a little bit? Sure I would. would. Now people are like uh, cleaning out Costco's and Walmarts of supplies just in case they happen to get quarantined for two weeks. They want to make sure they've got enough stuff on hand. Frankly, everything around me says we should be worried except for the actual medical officers of health for the province and the country that are all saying that's fine. Fairly low risk. Just wash your hands and go about your day and you should be good. Mm. One doesn't equal the other. I'm getting kind of concerned here. And I don't know at what point we can start freaking out a little bit. That's that's exactly. It seems like it's a lot of miseducation, like a lot of terrible posts that are being commented on in a lot of these stories from everything from that I'm seeing on mine. Even nope, only if you're very young or very old, you need to panic. Well, it doesn't mean you won't get sick. It just means true. it's not as deadly. Right, exactly. Um, we and, remember, it was the same thing with SARS, by the way. It's a respiratory right. virus. It's a respiratory virus. And that's what some people said. Like, calm down. We've been through this before. Uh, well, it, y- yes and no. 
but all kinds of different like re- responses on it from people who think they know the answer. Like, no, it's fine if this. One of the things that I happen to like on CNN, one of the few things I like is Dr. Sanjay Gupta because he's a doctor and he's a good one. And I find him fairly unbiased. One of the things that he pointed out very recently is there's so many people that are commenting off the cuff comments like, oh, this is bullshit. Everybody's just freaking out for nothing because the regular flu kills 8,000 people a year in America alone. Okay, here's the numbers from Dr. Sanjay Gupta. The regular flu kills about 8,000 Americans a year or whatever the number is. COVID-19 has only killed 3,000 people around the world so far. With the regular seasonal flu, 0.01% of the people who contract it are fatal. 0.01%. With COVID-19, it's actually more like 2%. So, since it's so much higher, the fatality rate, this is a much more serious thing than the regular flu. The problem is, there are way more people with seasonal flu than there are with COVID-19. But as COVID-19 numbers rise, the death toll is going to start to skyrocket if we stay on this same trajectory. So when you say things like, oh, don't worry about COVID-19, the regular flu kills more people than that. Mm, Yeah, just by pure numbers. But when you take into account the number of infections versus the number of fatalities, COVID-19, it seems substantially more dangerous. By the way, I don't want to be the guinea pig or any of my family members to be the guinea pig. I'd rather just not get it. So today at the White House, Trump is going to hold a meeting with all the pharmaceutical companies to get an update on when the vaccine is going to be developed. It'll take about a year before there's any vaccine available. That's how it goes. I mean, that's how it works. And you can't rush that. No. You can't put a rush on that. It's not like you can say, yep, nope, we'll have it tomorrow, guys. And we're all good. Come get your shots. That's not how it works, unfortunately. Somebody asked a question that I thought was a reasonable question. Should we close the borders? If you're a Canadian, here's your last Mm -hmm. chance. You've got seven days to get home or you're locked out. Doors are closed to everybody with the exception of emergencies. I don't know what's so wrong with that suggestion. And it's not a an anti-immigration uh, thing or anything like that. It's just we seem to be experiencing a health crisis. Around the world, infections are skyrocketing. What's so wrong with that? Mm-hmm. And, and people are quick to say, oh, no, that's stupid. That's racist. That won't stop the virus from coming in. I thought it was a reasonable question that got asked. It was on one of the Ask an Expert type shows that I saw on the weekend on the news. If it's being spread... As quickly as it is from other countries to Canada, why are we still letting people in? It's a great question. I think it's a fine question to ask, too. If you can answer that and give me an intelligent answer, don't say, oh, you're just being racist or, oh, you're anti-immigration because I'm not. I'm really not. I just think that if nobody in Canada has it and we don't let anybody else in, there's no virus in Canada. None. It can't get in. It, It may be airborne. I don't know how it's transmitted specifically i'm not even sure they know how it's transmitted at least they're not telling us (laughs) but it's certainly not going to travel transatlantic on a good gust of wind that will not happen so if we can isolate the cases we have here and stop the spread now uh, 24 cases across canada most of them in ontario if we get those 24 people taken care of and don't let anybody else in i have to think the virus stops and once it's controlled around the world boom open the doors again where are we at with the people who um, were isolated in the hotel? How long has it been since those cruise ship passengers 
I believe back. they get out today, tomorrow, or Wednesday. Okay, because it's got to be this week at some point. Some of them, the first people to arrive are already out. They're back mingling around okay. society. But they were under very strict mm-hmm. care. I have to think that they were tested thoroughly before they were allowed to leave. In any case, it freaks me out, and I don't know why they're saying everybody else should be calm other than the fact that the government itself is trying to stockpile up masks and things like that. Yes, absolutely. Our healthcare providers and first responders need them before anybody else, because if they get sick, there's nobody to treat the sick. But I'm wondering, why do they keep telling us the risk is low? Transmission rates are low. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of questions, and, and I don't know the answers. I'm just wondering out loud, like a lot of other people are. This is a conversation that people are having every single day in workplaces and public spaces, bars around the world. And it doesn't seem like we're getting good answers. They just keep telling us, don't worry, calm down. It'll be fine. <laughs> Never in the history of telling someone to calm down will they calm down. Exactly. Uh. Messed up. Sorry we went a little long today, everybody. We will uh, have more podcasts coming out this week. And right now, as a bonus, well, we do this every Monday. We do this every Monday and Friday, too, in the podcast. It is time for Missed Connections. On a Monday, we kick off the new week with people who are in a worse spot than you. This is Missed Connections. We're going to tell you about people looking for other people and they can't find them, so they just put the story online. This is a man looking for a woman. It's called The Lady with the Dog. You had absolutely no shame allowing your dog to have its way with you on your leg while sitting on the bench outside Walmart. Um, okay, go on. You, maybe 5'2", if I had to guess, 40s, pretty strawberry blonde hair, and a red jacket. Him, furry, brown, erect. (laughs) And happy as can be. I'll bet. You rolled your eyes as a mother grabbed her child from coming close and told you you should get him fixed. I do applaud your stick to You allowed him to continue on and be himself. I wish I'd stayed a little longer, but I had to go pick something up for work and had to go. I hope you noticed me as I you. I'm dark, a shorter man with a blue cap, and I had a black Cubs jacket on at the time. Maybe you've been in that situation where your dog is feeling it. Just the mood struck them right, and they decided, I'm mm-hmm. going to hump this one out. Mm-hmm. Some people have that kind of dog that just humps anything, anywhere. I need a leg right now. <laughs> Maybe you've been in that scenario. Most people will do what they can to curb that behavior and be like, no. Not okay. That is my leg, not your little pin cushion. Leave it. Stop it. We got a bullseye on there. Put that pecker away. This one, just let it keep going. Right outside Walmart. Not exactly a very sensual atmosphere. <laughs> hey. <laughs> hey. You don't know what dogs think of are sensual and non-sensual. There's a lot of smells happening outside of a store like a Walmart. People are com- coming and going. and Cat. I mean... There's a lot of action, a lot of things happening. You ever walked by the bench at Walmart and thought, oh yeah, right now. Think from a dog's perspective. I think he might like it. Mm. 
piss. <laughs> <laughs> it's everywhere. You never know. No, never. I Other mean, dogs, humans, <laughs> everything. It's, I just smell it all. The dog park, totally normal. We see dogs hump other dogs at the dog park all the time. And it's not always necessarily a sexual thing. Let's no. keep in mind. Sometimes it's a dominance thing. They want to be an alpha, right? Maybe that was the scenario. But wait, but my my but what about the guy that's enjoying watching the dog hump the girl? I have the I have concerns here. That's a weird thing to be aroused by or to be interested in. And for her to roll her eyes because somebody didn't want to let their kid go near the dog. Oh God, Charlie, look away. <laughs> you should get that mutt fixed. <laughs> Putting on a show outside Walmart. Only dogs can get away with it now. Him, furry, brown, erect. <laughs> <laughs> what a description. What a description. Um, this next one is called The Pizza Girl. It will also leave you with some questions. Man for woman. I just wanted to say I hope you're okay after your crazy Thursday night slash Friday morning. I saw you on the train heading westbound. You were passed out in your seat right by the train door. You were slumped over with almost a full medium pizza sliding from the takeout box on your lap. Sliding down your legs and eventually onto the train floor below. I watched it happen as if in slow motion, feeling helpless because I had my laptop with me and couldn't move in time to at least salvage your delicious za. (laughs) To make matters worse, a rat came from the back of the train. Oh, no. Almost from the abyss, sniffing you out and started dragging a slice across the floor. All whilst you were passed out. I did alert an employee at the station, letting them know about you. They said they'd make sure that you would be okay. Just want to let you know I hope you got to your destination safely. You know, people passing out on public transit is way too common if that was the attitude of the staff. Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry. She'll be fine. We'll take care of her. Pizza? Rat? Oh, yeah. Sounds about right. No problem. We'll take care of that, too. We've seen that before. (laughs) You see it all in public transportation. (laughs) Oh, the rat with the pizza? Okay. How out of it were you that the pizza just slid down your leg and you didn't notice a rat come out and steal it? My favorite is, I'm assuming, and this is an assumption, that she was plastered. Gotta think so. I get it. I need something to eat, like, now. I'm so hungry. I could eat a whole pizza. No, in fact, I will eat a whole pizza. I'll order that. Sit on the train and eat it. See, everything was right here, except she timed it poorly. Had she gotten the pizza half an hour sooner, she probably could have finished it. And she would have just fallen asleep and everything would have been fine. Instead, she waited too long. And then she passed out with the pizza. And that's when you get the slide down your leg scenario. No, I'll stay awake. I'll eat the pizza. That's fine. I got this whole thing by myself. I'm going to eat it. I'm going to sober up. I'm going to be fine tomorrow. The mm. toppings that drunk people put on their pizza are hilarious. I'm sure that had everything from pineapple to sun-dried tomatoes on it. It was Do probably the worst thing ever. Have any peanut butter? No, this is a stupid pizza place. This is dumb. I'm just giving the pizza, and I'll eat it. That's fine. No, yeah, I'm fine. Just give it to me. Me though. <laughs> I hope she's okay. That's concerning. 